Let us be attentive. In those days, many signs and wonders were done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high honor. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and pallets, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy they arrested the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this love. Peace be to you, the reader. According to St. John, let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, in his hands the print of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus the Christ is the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, we celebrate Thomas. Now, you might be thinking, we're celebrating Thomas? But this is Thomas Sunday. This is a great celebration of the Holy Apostle Thomas. You might have that question in your head because you know the familiar epithet of the doubting Thomas. We've all heard this, right? And some icons even say that on the icon, which is not correct. Because when we hear that gospel today, what do we notice? Thomas is the only one who doesn't get it. Right? All the apostles said, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas says, until I touch him, I won't believe. And so we draw from that that Thomas is the only one who was unbelieving. But in fact, if you look at the gospels, no one believed. No one. Even the first that were there, the women, went to the tomb and they were amazed. But still, some of them didn't believe. Because we see that um, Mary, when she encounters Christ, she she thinks he's the gardener and says, Where have you taken him? You wouldn't say that if you believe someone rose from the dead. Where have you taken him? And then when these stories first came back to the disciples... They didn't believe them. They even said, oh, these are idle tales. None of them believed until they saw our Lord. And in fact, when our Lord finally came to the apostles, what did he do? He rebuked them for their unbelief and for their hardness of heart, which was all of the apostles. So each and every person who was closest, most intimate with the Lord, didn't believe his resurrection didn't realize it was going to happen until they actually saw the Lord in their very presence. So Thomas is just like all the others, except 
There's something that's more important here. And this is, these are the reasons why we have this as a great feast of the church today. And there are two reasons. One, his confession of faith. And two, his desire to touch God. Because in the Vespers hymns last night it said, Oh, excellent unbelief. Oh, excellent unbelief. And the whole hymn says, Oh, excellent unbelief of Thomas, which led the hearts of faithful to knowledge. And with fear he cried, My Lord and my God. This confession of faith is what has bolstered our own faith. Because if you look through all of the Gospels, there are very few times that anyone refers to him as God. And usually it's the Son of God. And you know who says it first? The demons. And then also we hear of it from Nathaniel. We hear it from Peter. We hear it from the centurion. But very few times he's actually referred to. And each and every time it's the Son of God. This is the only time where he says, My God. It's the first time that this confession has been made. Jesus is God. Of course, the Son of God hints at that. Of course, the Son of Man hints at that. But he's saying Jesus is God. And this is what we celebrate on this day. This is what we celebrate when we see the icon. And of course, that second aspect, which is that he desired to be with God. He desired to touch God, to experience God. And that's what he was saying there. He said, he wants, he's saying, I want to touch him. I want to feel him. And you know that was a very special blessing. And that's why the icon is called the touching of Thomas, or the examination of Thomas. The reason it's called that is because not everyone got to do that. Remember Mary, when she finally found out that it wasn't the gardener, that it was Jesus? What did he say to her? Don't touch me. So this, the fact that our Lord, with his resurrected body, allowed Thomas to touch him is a great gift. Truly a great gift. And it's this latter point of touching our Lord that I would like to focus on today. But first I have a question for you. What is the most important thing that we as Christians do? Think about that a little bit. We have a lot of things that we do as Christians. What is the most important thing that we as Christians do? Now there are some things we do like fasting or prostrations. You could take that off of, out of the running. Those are important things, but I said the most important thing. Okay? So then we might think uh, worship. Worshiping our Lord is the most important thing that we could do. Being in church. Or some people might say the good works that we do in the world. Going out and helping those in need. Spreading Christ's love and compassion in the world. Or of course another very accurate answer would be prayer. The most important thing that we do as Christians is we pray. I submit to you something else. And it's in the, the communion hymn that they'll be singing a little bit later today. So What are those words in Greek? Receive the body of Christ. Taste the fountain of immortality. The most important thing that we do as Christians is that we commune with God. We receive His very body and blood. 
And if we don't believe that this is the most important thing, just look at the life of the church. Everything is centered around us receiving the body and blood of Christ. Because there are many things that we can do in our lives that are very important for our faith. But why is this the most important? Because this is the starting point, the foundation of everything else that we do. Our communion with God, our receiving of His body and blood, are the things that empower us to do everything out there. And there are many Christians who have it wrong. We think, I need to go out and fix the world and save the world. Yes, we do need to help people. But our starting point is God. This is our starting point. Why? Because we, the prayer I've mentioned many times in the liturgy, from Saint, the Epistle of St. James, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything good that we could do, everything good that we could experience is from God. So that makes it pretty clear what the starting point is. The starting point is receiving Christ. Just as St. Thomas desired to touch Christ, we have that ability to touch Christ all the time. All the time. I read from the, one of the post-communion prayers that we say. And maybe you'll listen a little bit more closely the next time that we say these at the end of the liturgy. This is the very first prayer. It's anonymous. The, the author is anonymous. O Master who loves mankind, who died for us and resurrected and bestowed to us these your awe-inspiring and life-giving mysteries for the benefit and sanctification of our souls and bodies. I'm going to tell you why we're receiving the body and blood of Christ. Grant that these shall also be for the healing of both soul and body, the averting of every opponent, the illumination of the eyes of our heart, the peace of our uh, powers of our soul, for faith unashamed, for love unfeigned, for the fullness of wisdom, for the keeping of your commandments, for the increase of your divine grace and the attainment of your kingdom, that preserved by them in your sanctification, I may ever remember your grace and no longer live for myself, but for you, our master and benefactor. And thus, when I depart this present life in the hope of eternal life, I may attain to everlasting rest. I'll read just once more, just a few of those. Healing of soul and body, averting of every opponent, illumination of the eyes of our heart, the peace of the powers of our soul, faith unashamed, love unfeigned, fullness of wisdom, keeping of your commandments, increase of your divine grace, and the attainment of your kingdom. Is there anything that we could desire in life that is not encapsulated in that? That's what we receive with the body and blood of Christ. That is our, our very starting point. What we have before us is the very fountain of immortality. We hear all these uh, mythical tales seeking after the font of youth, of eternal life. It's right here. It's right here. This is where we receive it. And the thing about it is, the more we receive it, the more we're receiving. So it's not this minimal approach that we might have. If your doctor said to you, I have something that will heal all of your physical ailments. And in fact, the more that you take it, the more you'll be healed. How much would you be taking it? You'd say to the doctor, give me an unlimited prescription. I'll take as many as I can. I'll eat them with every meal, whatever it takes. That's what we would be doing, right? This is what we have before us. 
each and every liturgy. So why aren't we rushing? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we going up? Hey, Seraphim, did you hear? Next week, there's going to be a liturgy and we can receive the body and blood of Christ. Why aren't we doing this? Because we have a minimal approach in our faith. Because we imagine, these are the things I'm supposed to do as a Christian. And one of those things I'm supposed to do as a Christian is go to church on Sundays. It's been drilled into us. Even for those of you before you were Orthodox, still, you go to church on Sundays. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not the point. The point is go to liturgy to receive the body and blood of Christ. And when do we do that? Whenever the church gives us an opportunity. And yes, every Sunday, that's one of those opportunities. Every single time we should be receiving that. That should be our desire. We should be rushing to this, in, this medicine of immortality. Because the other thing that this feast day is today is something called antipasca. Not antipasta. Antipasca. <laughs> what does that mean? You read the front of your bulletins. In place of Pasca. And what it is, you've probably heard in your catechetical education, every Sunday is like a mini Pascha. Right? We've all heard this? So, if every Sunday is a mini Pascha, today is the day that we start that. We set the clock back again because we just had Pascha. And we can't have Pascha every Sunday, but gosh, we're going to celebrate that resurrection every single Sunday. So today is the start of that for all the rest of the year until we have Pascha again. But you wouldn't know that if we don't go to the weekday liturgies. Forgive me for belaboring this point. I'm a priest, I have to be there. But I desire to be there as well. But there's something to see in that. How can we know that Sunday is a mini Pascha if we don't know what the other liturgies are like? How can we know? What if every Sunday was a Pascha? Every Sunday, I come out with the candle. Come receive the light. Then what? So eventually, okay, let's go to church. Let's light our candles. Okay, we're going to do that whole come receive the light. We're going to sing Christ is risen so many times. It would become completely mundane. Would it not? But because we do it once a year, it's this great feast. But every Sunday is a mini feast. But we don't know that because we're just seeing the Sundays and that's all we see. We don't know. And we have all of these beautiful opportunities to receive the body and blood of Christ and to learn about our blessed feast days, our blessed saints. So many things that we can experience. So forgive me for belaboring this point. We must remember the words of that communion hymn. Taste the fountain of immortality. This is what we should be desiring above all other things. Because this will empower us to do all other things. So let us prepare each time. Let us receive each time that we're able to. And forgive me, I know that there are ways and times that we can't go. I know that people have work and many other things. So I'm not at all trying to talk about any of that. I'm just saying, if there's a little chance of an opportunity to be there, be there. Because the medicine that you receive, read that prayer. Read that prayer every single time. And listen to the chanters when they're reading that prayer every single time. Hear that list of the things that we're receiving. And if that isn't what we want, my goodness, what else is there? What else is there? So let us draw forth and receive the body and blood of Christ with humility, with unworthiness, and yet with boldness. Amen.